you'd like to follow along, the scripture reading this morning will come from Luke 19, verses 8 and 9. Luke 19, verses 8 and 9. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Winford, can you believe that John told that story about you in front of all these people? I mean, I, I, I was a little bit shocked, you know. But most of you know that John is the, was the good child growing up. <laughs> what you may not know is that, I mean, you might have noticed this, but that, that the church had to establish a policy. Donna, you remember this? When the, the, the policy was established, and it's probably... Stan's not really allowed to get up in front of everybody just to keep Winford out of jail. The, <laughs> Uh, my daddy's here. Uh, John, he had one of those belts too. It always seemed to be around. The, uh, hmm. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you. My dad's sweating right now what I'm going to say about him. So, okay. <laughs> the, uh, it, it's great to be here this morning, and it's great to look into God's Word. You know, all this year we've been walking with Jesus, and our goal has been to come away with a better understanding this is who Jesus is. And we've looked at so many events within His life, and very quickly we're getting... Listen, this year is running out, and we're going to spend the great bulk of our time talking about the Passion. Talking about Jesus going back into Jerusalem and that upper room. Uh, the time that He spends in the garden, the crucifixion, uh, and His ascension into heaven. We're going to have to start that very quickly. And I, so I'm looking at, at what are the things that we've missed. If I, if, if I look back over the, over, the, over the preaching throughout the Sunday mornings of this year, you know, you just can't cover everything in His life, but are there some big things that we just really got to talk about? And, and some of those things uh, we'll, we'll be talking over the next few weeks about, about the transfiguration and what in the world happened when Jesus went up on that mountaintop and the, and the voice of God spoke, spoke in, in that place. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that Jesus had a lot to say about marriage. Uh, we haven't had a sermon about marriage all, all year on a Sunday, I know. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of the things that Jesus had to say about that. But this morning, I, I wanted us to talk about probably the thing that He talked about more than any other thing. We're going to talk about what he talked about more than he talked about faith, more than he talked about heaven and hell combined, more than he talked about baptism, more than he talked about love, more than he talked about service, and he talked about all those things a good bit, didn't he? We're going to talk about what Jesus said about our possessions. Do you realize that maybe upwards of 15 to 20% of everything that Jesus said, if you just want to go through and do a little tally, has something to do with our stuff, with our money, with our possessions. And especially as a people who are so blessed, right? A group of our men are leaving on uh, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning to go to Haiti to a place where people are desolate and they have nothing. And, And it's something that most of us just can't relate to at all. 
And even if we've been there, I don't know of any of us that can relate to actually living on a permanent basis in a situation like that. Uh, some of the pictures that Jonathan was showing of, you know, it looked like they'd made a house out of a tarp. Well, I mean, we may not we may not have the fanciest houses, but I don't know of anybody that's living in a tarp here this morning. And if you are, come talk to me after services. We can do something about that, right? We we can help correct some of those things. We don't live that way. We got a lot of this stuff that Jesus talks a lot about. And so I want us to take some time this morning just to look at several different passages where Jesus talked to people about their souls. But the way that He talked about their souls is He talked about their stuff. He talked about their possessions. And one that's familiar even to our smallest children is where we'll start in Luke chapter 19. The story of Zacchaeus. The Bible says in Luke 19, As Jesus entered and was passing through Jericho, behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And you know, in our minds... At least in my mind, I won't speak for you. But in our minds, Zacchaeus is this kind of cute fella, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? All of our Sunday school teachers, you can sing that, right? And a wee little man was he, right? We know that. And you know, when he climbed up in the the tree and it was a sycamore tree and he wanted to see Jesus and there was Jesus and Jesus said, you come down from there for I'm going to your house today, right? And and it's just kind of a a great little song. I probably haven't sung that in 20 years, but it's still stuck up there, alright? Zacchaeus was not a cute little man. He just wasn't. Even though, even though we sing about him that way, and, and I think we, we perceive him that way, no, the Bible says that Zac- Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector. He was a chief tax gatherer. And we think, oh, that's like the IRS, and we don't like the IRS, and, and they send us a letter and it makes us nervous, and I don't like giving up my money. But G- Zacchaeus, he was not the IRS. That's not really what tax collectors were in those days. They were much, much worse than the IRS. Tax gatherers in those days were, were people who had, who had the responsibility of going forth and taking taxes. They, they wanted to go forth and get the taxes right that Greg owes to the state, that Greg owes to the providence, that Greg owes to the Roman government, and all the things that Greg would owe. The tax gatherers didn't stop there. Matter of fact, tax gatherers had power to get not only what was due, but to get as much out of Greg as they possibly could. See, a tax collector in those days was more was much more along the lines of someone who could practice um, legal extortion. Now, how would you feel about somebody like that? Not just somebody who who happens to work for the government and they take the taxes that are due. But someone who took not just what was due, Bill, they took what, what wasn't due. They took what wasn't theirs. That's what a tax collector was. You wouldn't like that person very much. That person would not be very popular in, in, in the city of Savannah, right? Everybody would know and we would have a, there would be some not-so-nice not words to be said about who he was. That's who Zacchaeus was. And not only was, was that who he was, the Bible says he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. What's it mean? Oh, he took a lot of people's money. He did this all the time and he was very good at it. But he wanted to try and see who Jesus was because everybody wanted to see who Jesus was. You don't have to be a godly man. You don't even have to be a spiritual man to to know that if there's someone who thousands of people are coming to see, I'm kind of curious to see what's, what's the deal over there. I, I want to see what's going on. If, if I'm hearing about someone, about someone who is, 
who was healing people, about someone who was making blind people see and lame people walk, and thousands of people are going from all over. I'm curious about that, right? And Zacchaeus said, Jesus is coming to my town. And I may not care anything about Jesus. I may not know anything about Jesus. But, but I don't want to be the one who doesn't, who doesn't get out to see Him. So he was trying to see who Jesus was. But he was unable because of the crowd. For he was small in stature. He was a little guy. And so what he did, verse 4 says, we know this, he ran on ahead and he, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see Him. For he, Jesus, Jesus was about to pass through that way. And you kind of picture, I mean, Jesus at this point in his ministry was, was a rock star, is, is, the, is the closest thing that, that we could probably come to it, right? He was a celebrity. There were so many people around that nobody could see him. Nobody could even get a glimpse of him. Listen, if you want to see me, right? Anybody have trouble seeing me? Everybody can see me. How many people have to get around me and have to have to walk out with me just, just to my car for you to say, you know what, I was trying just to, just to get a glimpse of Wes. I mean, I've heard about how good looking he is, John. I've heard about that. And I should have picked on a lady, but I say my wife. Okay, this just got awkward. You know, I, I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to... How many people have to be surrounding me? A lot of people, right? Thousands of people. So he climbs on up ahead and, and, and he, climbs up, he climbs up into that tree. And when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and He said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. See, I can't even hardly tell this without telling it like I'm going to tell it to a three-year-old because it's just in my mind. But this is really happening. This tax gatherer who's, who's trying to see what's going on. Zacchaeus, you come down from there for today I'm going to stay at your house. And so he heard and he came down and, and, and received him gladly. Well, when they saw it, when all the, all the people saw it, when anybody who knew, who knew anything about who Zacchaeus was and who Jesus was, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And just flesh that out a, a little bit. He's going to eat with the guy who took my money. He's going to, 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 to go to the home of someone who's stealing everybody's money. You probably wouldn't like that very much. They didn't like that very much. And they said, what's Jesus doing? And as they're going to their house, verse 8 says, Zacchaeus stopped. And he said to the Lord, Now, uh, I wish this was fleshed out a little bit more. There's a lot I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know what's going through Zacchaeus' mind. Right? And, and you don't know what's going through my mind, and I don't know what's going through your mind. But sometimes I wish I knew. Right? Sometimes I wish I knew what people were thinking. And I really wish I knew what Zacchaeus was thinking. Something powerful is happening here. Because this man who's made his living stealing from other people, he stops and he says, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. What's he know? He's, he's defrauded people. That's who he was. That's what a tax gatherer was. Right? Lord, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I've made up my mind today. Right? I mean, I've, for one, he talks about, makes some kind of commentary on how he's kind of hoarded things for himself, and God has, he's had all these blessings, and he's made it much more about him and what he wanted. But, but then he acknowledges, you know what? I've done some people wrong. I've taken some money from some people that I shouldn't have done. I'm going to make that right. To the very best of my ability, I'm going to make that right. You know what, Stephen? You know, I got, you. I got five bucks out of you the other day. I'm going to go, I'm going to give Stephen 20 bucks. 
Okay? Are you be good with that? I mean, it would be a start anyways, right, for us to work with that? Well, you've got five dollars out of me, so you owe me, all right? But, then, but this, this is what he says. This, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. What's Jesus say? Here's what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't look at him and say, You know what, Zacchaeus? I think that'd be great. I think that'd be a really good place for us, for us to start. I think, I think that, that could go a long ways towards getting you where, where you need to be. I think that could go a long ways towards mending some fences. I think that's a really good idea. That's not what Jesus said. I mean, Jesus says something far beyond that. Here's what Jesus says. So Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. That went beyond a good idea. Jesus went all the way because of what this man said about his willingness or his desire to part with his possessions. He made a comment on this man's eternal salvation. He made a comment upon this this man's soul. Salvation has come to your house. This is a son of Abraham. Based on what? I mean, you know, we get impressions and how we feel about people, but I'm just saying that typically before I'm I'm sitting down and making my own comments on somebody's salvation, i got some questions to ask. What's he base it on? He bases it on this man's willingness to part with his own possessions. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about Jesus, possessions, and salvation. Because Jesus has a lot to say about this. And not just here in the story of Zacchaeus. I want us to see a direct parallel between our relationship with God and what we do with our stuff. And whether you have a lot of stuff or a little stuff, it really doesn't matter. Jesus is going to talk to some people who are very rich, and He's going to talk to some people who are in abject poverty. And He's going to say the same thing about them. There is a connection between what you do with your stuff, your money, your possessions, your things, and your relationship with your eternal God. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because He too is a son of Abraham. We, we all remember, if you just want to go back a page in your Bible, to the account of the rich young ruler. You, you, you remember this account? where this man comes and he's very rich and he's a ruler of people and, and, and he asks a question that, that we want everybody to ask. I wish everyone asked this question when they, when they came into the office or they come to church or you're sitting there and you're thinking, I, I, I want to know the answer to the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I'm here because I want to do whatever God wants me to do. That's what this man asked. What should I do? And Jesus says in verse 20, You know the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. Right? Man, I do all of those things. I've done those things from my youth. I'm kind of like John, not like Stan, you know. I've been doing those things all along. Sorry, Stan, we're just picking on you this morning. But, but that's, that's just kind of where I've been. I've done all those things. Now, can you picture 
Can you picture if that man came to, to, to this body, if that man came to be a part of, of the Lord's church, and it was someone who was rich, and it was someone who was a ruler of people, and they wanted to follow Christ, and they came, I've, I've been keeping the law, and well, you know, what, what must I do to be saved? And I'm going to tell them like what Peter said, repent and be baptized, wash, have your sins washed. Well, I did that. Yeah, I mean, about three or four years ago, when we were down there in a creek, or I was at this church up here, and we, well, that's wonderful. Why don't you come in? Why don't you come and be a part of this body? And we would be excited about it, wouldn't we? How do we respond when really, I mean, when, when wealthy and important people are a part of the body of Christ? That gets us excited. And, and James is going to talk about how, how, we can't, how we can't discriminate against other people. But it, you know what? When, a celebrity, when we find out a celebrity is a Christian, how does that make us feel? How does it make us feel? It makes us excited. Right? Some of us, whatever you may think of Phil Robertson, he, you know, a lot of people are, man, there's somebody famous. There's somebody that's famous who's a brother in Christ who's talking about Jesus, and there he is, man. He's, he's a Christian. I'm excited about that. It just kind of makes me feel good. And, you know, we've got having Fred Hartman talk about having an EU, and, and, and why? Because he's got a big old beard? Is that it? You know, John had a big old beard. No, they didn't ask him to speak of Fred Hardman. You know? No, because he's famous. Because he's, that, that's, that's how we respond. There'd probably be articles written about him. If, what, what if Bill Gates became a Christian? That'd be a big deal. That'd be a really big deal, right? Steve Worley's head would explode if, 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 if you know, Bill Gates became a Christian. He, he, <laughs> solution to all his problems, right? You tell Steve I said that. He would probably agree. Okay, but we, you know, we'd have articles and magazines and books and, you know, because we have them on TV, we'd probably ask them to be in some sort of leadership. We want to, we want to have them as a part of the body. And probably that rich young ruler would become even a richer young ruler through those things. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus looks at this man and this, this, this struggle. When Jesus heard this, He said in verse 22, He said to him, One thing you still lack... Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Wow. Wow. And the Bible says that man went away sad. That man went away sorrowful. He went away sorrowful. And you know what Jesus said? Look at what He said. To all those who were around, who were looking and saying, did He just send that? Because that guy could have really helped us. I mean, we don't have any place to lay our head. He could have, he could have helped out. He would, have been a, he would have been a great addition to this congregation. Right? You've said that about people before, right? Based on those things they could bring to the church probably. I, I've said it. Okay? Jesus said something, he, you know, and He left. He said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. Jesus kind of lays it down and says, you know, the more that you have, the harder it is for you to come unto salvation. But that's the reality. To a people, speaking to a people today who have a lot, that we have an obstacle before us that there are a lot of people in the world that just don't have. I mean, you know, I, I, I go all over, all over several times a year talking about money and possessions and things. And, and, but, but one of the things that really intimidates me is, is I don't know exactly how to translate some of these things into third world countries or second world countries. Okay, because they don't understand wealth and prosperity. They, 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 they just don't. When we were in Jamaica this last time, there was someone who, who they said, 
I want to ask you a question. Is it true, is it true that, that you have machines that wash all of your clothes? And when they said that, I was thinking like about Rosie from the Jetsons. And, and, and I told them, I, no. Oh yeah, I guess we do have machines that wash all of our... But that's just, that's just the life that we live. But for me to talk to them about, about depending upon their possessions, they're not tempted to, to depend upon their possessions. That's a problem I have because I have some possessions. Because I have some things, right? I mean, greed is, is, is a whole... I know it's an equal opportunity for rich and poor, but it's a whole other monster when you've got a lot. Jesus said, I want, to, I want to tell you to watch out. It's not, not even when a man has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So I need to know that, right? Every time I get that raise, every time, every time I, you know, my, 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 I get that inheritance or whatever, and these things come in, and yeah, it just created a stumbling block. It just put something between me and God. Now, they're responsible for who, who can be saved. No, the things impossible with man are possible with God. He's not saying it's impossible. He's just saying, I want you to know the unique dangers that your possessions present. Because they do present unique dangers. Right? You can do a lot with a hand grenade, but you better be careful with a hand grenade. Right? Right? Or dynamite or whatever. Well, the same thing about our possessions. Jesus... Just as Jesus gauged Zacchaeus' true spiritual condition based on his willingness to cheerfully part with his money, Jesus also gauged this man's spiritual condition, the rich young ruler's spiritual condition, based on his unwillingness to part. Right? Jesus didn't know a whole lot about these people. Well, he knew everything about them, but, but on the outside he didn't know a whole lot. See, what we do with our stuff, Jesus is saying, has, has a, direct, a direct correlation to our relationship with God. Why is that? It's because, listen, it's because it's not about our stuff. Preacher's not preaching on money. I'm not preaching about your bank account. I don't care if you have more than anybody in this room. Okay? I don't care if you have less than anybody in this room. I don't care if you're exactly in the middle. I don't care. Because it's isn't about our stuff. This is about our heart. That's what Christianity is about, Right? What we do is a reflection of who we are. That's what Jesus said in Luke 12 and verse 34, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's, that's why He said what He said to Zacchaeus. Because when that man stands up and, listen, Lord, I'm going to give away half of everything I own, and not only that, if, so, if I've defrauded someone, I'll give them back four times what I've defrauded them. You know, I don't know everything about that man, but I know something about that man. Right? Because you see, you see a man getting serious with his possessions, I'm going to show you a man that's getting serious. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. When he, when he talks about Zacchaeus, and, and we read about that man leaving sorrowfully, and Jesus, and, Jesus, and Jesus saying, it's hard for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Well, why does he say that? Well, you show me a man who who even though he may live a great moral life, and he's never killed anybody, and he's never committed adultery, and he honors his mother and father, but Jesus saw his heart. He saw that his possessions were a God to him. He said, I, I'm not willing to give that up. Listen, I don't care if it's your money, or if it's your favorite shirt, or if it's your favorite music. or what. If, if Jesus Christ ever looks at us and says, here's what I want you to do is get rid of something, and we say, I can't do that. There's a problem there. Well, where your possessions are, there your heart will be also. My observation, and I've shared this with you before, but, but I still think it's, it's important for us to understand, it's not just an indicator. 
Our possessions don't just tell us where our heart is, right? I can open up my checkbook and it'll tell me something about what's really important to me. It just really will. So will yours. But whether I like what it says or not, I mean, I think for a lot of... For a lot, I, know, I know what a lot of your checkbooks say, okay? Because you've, you've, given, you've given gifts to people and it says bountiful things about your heart. At the same time, our possessions also lead our heart. They lead our heart. What we do with our possessions, our heart will follow our possessions. If you don't believe that, give me your wallet and see if you take your eyes off of me. You won't. Donnie, you want to try it? No? No? no. He, he said, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I want to do that. There's that parallel. And what I found in my life is as I've begun to, as I, as I begun to understand this, it's unlocked my spiritual life. It's unlocked this whole realm of, 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 my, of my spiritual life to help me understand what it means to trust in God, to help me to lean upon Him, to, to, to help me to, to know some things about what, what it means to walk by faith and how God works in my life, to what, it, to what it means to allow God to provide deliverance. And I've seen that, and my faith is stronger than it's ever been, and it's been trained. It's been trained by what I've done with my stuff. That's what Jesus is saying. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. John, John the Baptizer, when people would, would come to him, you remember, you remember, we all remember when he got on to people and he said, you're a brood of vipers, right? Who told you to come in here? And I, and I always we talk, preach about that. I always wonder, you know, how that would even go over. If somebody says, you're just a brood of vipers and you're, you're not pure and you're not sincere. But, but what, we, what we miss is that people responded to John... Whenever he said that about them, and, and they asked the right question in Luke chapter 3. They, they asked the right question, and they said in verse 10, so what shall we do? It's the same question people were asking in Acts 2, right? Okay, I, John, I get it. I, I mean, I, yeah, you're, you're right. I've not been what I ought to be, so what shall I do? And what's he say? Luke chapter 3 and verse 11. Well, let the man who has two tunics share with him who has none, and let him who has food do likewise. That's what, you, that's what I want you to do. Okay? It goes on. The Bible says in verse 12, this is Luke 3, there were some tax gatherers who came to be baptized. And they said, Teacher, what shall we do? What did He tell them? He said, Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. And then there were some soldiers who were questioning Him and they were saying, Well, what about us? What shall we do? This is verse 14. And He said to them, Do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Now, everything that John the baptizer told people to do had something to do with money or possessions. Who brought up money and possessions? They didn't come and say, John, what, what do you think I ought to do with my money? Tell me your opinion about this, Ryan. You know, how much do you think I, 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 I should be giving on the... That's not, that's not what they did. They said, you tell me what I need to do. And John's the one that said, listen, I want you to, I want you to get your heart right. I want, you to, I want you to reflect that even in what you do with your stuff. Even with what you do with your money and your possessions. They didn't bring it up. He did. You know, it's not just about having a lot. We, we read over in Mark chapter 12 about, about that widow. And I try to think in my mind how I would respond to the widow and how we would respond to the widow. I mean, if there was a, if there was a sister in this congregation whose husband had died and she didn't really have a way to support herself and she didn't have anything, 
Maybe she had two dollars. Maybe she had less than two dollars. Maybe she had two cents to her name. And she came on a Sunday morning and, and she just approached one, one of you. And she said, you know what? I, I, I just feel like, like God wants me to give my very last two cents this morning. I feel that way. What would I say to that, to that woman? What would you say to her? I think probably what I'd say is something along the lines of you, you, you don't need to do that. Right? I mean, you, you do so much. You don't need to be giving these things. Let's, let's see if we can get you some help over here. And you, you just keep what you have. But that's not, Jesus didn't do that. All Jesus did is He called His disciples over and He said, I want you guys to see this. I want you to see this great faith that this woman who didn't have anything has displayed. Truly, He said to His disciples, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. What's He saying? It's not about how much. I'm not talking about how much you give on the first day of the week. I'm not talking about how much you give to help other people and, 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 other, and, and other godly things in this world. That, that's, not, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about what are we doing with what God has blessed us with. What are we doing with what God has blessed us with? That answer looks different for everybody in this room because God's blessed everybody in this room differently. Whether you have a lot or a little, it doesn't matter. You've been blessed. And God says there's a connection. Jesus says there's a connection. He says it over and over. I could preach for another two hours just looking at examples in the life of Jesus where He talks about, where he talks about these things. There's a connection between what we do with our stuff and how we truly feel about God. You remember over in Luke chapter 12 when they're, they're coming and they're asking Jesus to, to settle the, this, this dispute that, that's going on about an inheritance and what they ought to do. And if you, if you ever want to see people, you know, if you ever want to see people get riled up, you know, you get them, you get them in those family inheritance situations, right? At least I'm sure you deal with some of this stuff and the stress all the time. You know, when people come in and, and this person has passed away and you know what, and what's on their mind is not, is not the grief, even though the grief may be driving them. You know, well, what about their stuff? My dad says, leave me all the bills. He's going to save me a lot of hardship. I appreciate that. You know, but, but that's not where everybody lives. And it can create ugly things, and people can do ugly things. And they, well, who's going to settle this? I'm a, let's, let's call the preacher about this. Let's call the elders about this. They'll, they'll figure it out, you know. Give them, give, give, give them, Herb, give them, give them Herb's phone number. Give, give them uh, Albert's phone number. You, you can figure this out for them. You, you want me to do that? No. Nobody, I don't want that phone call. Well, better, better than that, let's go ask Jesus about this. Right? You know, let's go ask Jesus about how you ought to do this. And so they go and they and they say they say, Tell my brother, you tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. And that's when Jesus says, Be on your guard. Listen, this is about greed. You be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. I want you to get that. It's dangerous. Be on your guard. And he told him this parable. And he says there was this man, this rich man, and his land was very productive. This is Luke 12. And so he began reasoning to himself, saying, well, well, what shall I do? Since I have no place to store my crops. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
And I've always said that, if, that if, if, if the Bible just stopped, if Jesus had stopped there in verse 19, every preacher would turn over here and say, this is an example of good stewardship. This is an example of someone who was blessed today and he's put up, he put, put up and stored things for tomorrow. Right? So many of the problems that we have is that people aren't even thinking about the fact that there will be a tomorrow. They don't, they don't prepare. They don't count the cost. Just another sermon about, that Jesus talked about, right? This is stewardship. 101. But it didn't stop there. Because that's, the, that's not the point he's making. The problem was not that this man enjoyed life. The problem was not that this man thought about the future. But he said to him, verse 20, You fool! This very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. See, what Jesus is trying to say, and as human beings, we like to buck Him on this. I can't tell you how many people that I've had that have tried to explain to me that well, what they did with their possessions really was an indicator of their heart. It just is. That's why I buy my wife flowers and I don't buy, and, and, and I don't buy your wife flowers. All right? that's, why, that's why I buy, I buy my, my wife a car and I don't buy your wife a car. Nothing against your wife. But I'm not spending that on your wife. Right? Maybe another problem we talk about there. But that's, that's, that's how we do those things. What are we doing with our possessions? They have an indication of where our heart really is. Jesus said, I want you to get that. Yeah, I know. I know that somebody can write a big check every Sunday. I know that someone could give away every dime that they have and, and still not truly be a disciple of Christ. I know that. I, I know what hypocrisy is. All right? I know that hypocrisy exists. I know there are two-faced, double-minded, all of those things. But I also know that you cannot have a heart that's truly converted to God. That everything in your life, including your possessions, don't belong to Him. And as human beings, we struggle with that. And Jesus is saying, I want you to see, I want you to see that this will open a door into your life that nothing else will. This will open a door into your relationship that nothing else will. And you can talk about it all day long. But when you put your possession somewhere, that's where your heart's going to go. I want you to see that. I'm going to send the invitation in just a moment. And you know what? I, 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 used, I used to preach these lessons and, and I never... It's kind of one of these things you, you never expect anybody to really respond about this. But something began to change a couple of years ago. And you know what? This, this young man came down the aisle and he had tears in his eyes. He was probably 25 years old. Just got married, starting, starting, his, starting his life. We were up in, uh, around Red Bull and Springs, Tennessee. And I thought, wow, somebody came forward. But I'll never forget what he said. He, did, he just said, you know what? I haven't been rich towards God. And I don't even know how I'm going to be rich towards God. Because he was like most of us. He had spent every dime he had on himself, right? He said, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but, 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 but I'm going to be rich towards God. I'm going to make some changes in my life. And I thought, you know what? There's a man. I don't know. I just met him. He just walked down the aisle. But there's a man whose heart belongs to the Lord. He would do anything. If a man would sit there and tell me that, he'd do anything. If, the Lord, if it was the Lord's will. I want to be rich towards God. And I don't know, maybe you find yourself in that situation. I don't balance your checkbooks. I don't know. Okay? I know I, I, struggle, I struggle with all these same things. That's why I'm preaching to me as much as I am to you. 
Or maybe you're looking and you're saying, you know what? I've been rich towards a lot of things, but I haven't been rich towards God. We can repent of that. We can overcome those things. We don't have to walk. I mean, don't whatever. Don't walk out of here feeling like, oh no. Don't don't walk out of here like the rich young ruler walked out walked out of that situation. Okay, you stop, and you say, you know what? We're gonna make some changes. Truthfully, this isn't about money. Being rich towards God isn't just about money. It's about our heart. It's about our soul. It's about who we are. And there may be something else in your life that you say, you know what? I've done a lot of things, but I've kept this one. I've kept this one back for the Lord. The story of the Knights Templar when they would be baptized before they would go into the Crusades because they thought they might die and they wanted to be right with God. Right? And how they would be baptized and, and they would be baptized in, 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 that, in that watery grave just like we would be baptized, but they would hold their sword up above the water. Why? They were making a statement. It was kind of an odd statement to make, but they were saying, everything that I have belongs to the Lord. That's why I'm being baptized into Christ, except for this. I'm holding this above the water. Don't do that. Don't do that with your sword. Don't do that with your wallet. Don't do that with your television. Don't do that with whatever. I don't know. What Jesus is saying is, come and give everything to me and allow me to be everything to you. That's the invitation. That's the opportunity that Jesus speaks of so often. Why don't you come this morning as we stand and as we sing.